Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? Oh, the world is falling apart, Nick, but uh, so far, pretty unscathed. So, uh, I, uh, I'm grateful. How about you? How are you doing? I'm having an awful week. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. I've been waiting. The world is in the middle of a global pandemic, as you know. Uh huh. And apparently, it's my turn. I have shingles. What? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So I've been uh, miserable. Well, Absolutely miserable. I am sorry to hear that. But yes, it's been it's been an awful week. Just awful. I am sorry to hear you're going through that. I only watched one movie this week, Nick. So uh, maybe that'll help keep things short. I saw four. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Hey, Matt, what movie did you watch? I watched Gretel and Hansel, as recommended by Nick last week. I don't think I recommended it. You sure did. I think I just insisted that you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I watched four movies. It's been like 90 days, so I watched watched Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War. Oh, I've been told to watch that. Scott told me to watch that. Hmm. Then I saw Guns Akimbo, starring Daniel Radcliffe. That's the that's the one where he's got like, handguns bolted to his hand. What? I have not heard of this. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Hmm. Then I watched The Ides of March, which is a George Clooney film starring Ryan Gosling. What? Uh, about politics from from 2011. I don't and, remember that at all. And then finally, I watched a little animated feature called Away from 2019. And I wouldn't blame you if you had never heard of it. I haven't. You're just watching all sorts of stuff I never heard of. I just wanted to be miserable on all possible fronts, apparently. <laughs> well, boiler alert on the rest of the episode, I guess. Yeah. And since we have now both seen Gretel and Hansel, uh, I suppose we'll save that for the end of the movie or end of the show. And I will begin with Justice League Dark. Apocalypse War, which was directed by Matt Peters and Christina Sauda. It does not have the stink of, what's his name, Sam Liu. Edits poorly. All over it. This movie was not awful. It was not great. It's definitely the best offering from the DC movies, DC animated movies in quite some time. It's probably the best movie since that Flashpoint Paradox animated movie. And... This is the final in that series of Justice League animated movies. It's like the 30th animated movie or something like that. Uh And this is supposed to be like their endgame or like Infinity War slash endgame. So it's like it wraps everything up. And then the next animated movie that comes out, they're going to relaunch their whole animated universe. I see. So this is the last one. And uh, good. (laughs) It's a... because their animated universe is all over the place. It's impossible to keep track of. Uh, yeah, and I didn't watching even know this, they were supposed to be all related. Some of them are and some of them aren't. Like Some of them are, are part of it and some of them are not part of it. And it does not make clear what the canon is. But this movie basically tells the story of Avengers Infinity War, <laughs> where Thanos, or Darkseid, is coming to conquer the Earth because reasons. I guess Darkseid wants Earth's molten core to power Apocalypse's hell pits or whatever. So Superman gets the whole Justice League together. And this 
movie focuses heavily on Constantine or Hellblazer because it's a sequel to that Justice League Dark, even though it only has Constantine in it. Anyway, so Superman gathers the whole Justice League. They put together a whole plan to take on Apocalypse, but uh-oh, Apocalypse has got an inside track and knows they're coming. And he's created Doomsday monsters. <laughs> like they're half Doomsday, half Apocalypse monsters. And basically, Apocalypse kills the entire Justice League, except for like five or six of them. He turns anyone who survived into some sort of mind slave and then goes about taking over the Earth. It takes the first five minutes of the movie are what you want to see but what they actually provide you are the next hour and a half. And then you get the actual war on Apocalypse and flashback. And the war stuff is kind of cool. Like, you get to see the Justice League get eviscerated. And it's violent, but at times unnecessarily violent, where you're just like, oh, this doesn't really help tell an interesting story. It's just swearing or blood for the sake of there being swearing or blood. Uh, and forced. Yeah, very. And you're like, oh, look how extreme it is. It must be very serious. There are a few cool moments here or there, but for the most part, this movie is... As I said, the better of the DC animated films. It's definitely way better than that Wonder Woman garbage I watched a few months ago. Like that's like got to be bottom of the barrel. Like I said, if if you saw, I would recommend checking out the Flashpoint movie because that was cool and dark as far as theme goes. This one is unnecessarily dark and is clearly chasing Avengers the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame to a blatant extent, but without any of the high points or the low points. It's just like, here's a series of low point after low point. Like Superman spends the whole movie with this kryptonite tattoo on his chest because he's been defeated by Darkseid and he, he doesn't have all of his strength because, you know, kryptonite. And he's just like a regular dude the whole movie. He's like how he is in Superman 2 after he goes into the transformation chamber and then tries to fight that trucker guy. And he's like, my blood. I've never seen my own blood before. Clark? Blood. It's my blood. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, that's like the best part of Superman 2 where that trucker dude beats the crap out of him. And then he goes back at the end of the movie to ruin that guy's life. See, that's funny. I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. There's that. And then um, if you want to see this movie told much better, it's basically a remake of the end. I believe the end of the adventures of superman animated tv series right before the justice league cartoon started uh -huh. because they have a storyline where dark side comes to earth and he captures superman and turns him into his like slave like he turns him into like a mind slave or whatever and superman takes his orders from dark side and then conquers earth and then like the, that superman cartoon i believe wraps up with superman like enslaving earth before he somehow snaps out of it and then the end of the episode is him apologizing to the people of earth and saying i will do whatever i can to make sure this never happens again blah 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 and then batman and then the standing behind him with a kryptonite ring going no i'll make sure this doesn't happen again i th i think that's true because oh, the shit. justice league cartoon starts up right after that mm. it, it rolls right into the justice league but there's an awesome sequence when well, after Superman snaps back to snaps back to reality, oop, here comes gravity. He and Darkseid go just like Rocky and Apollo Creed on each other. And Superman gives this speech about how he's always had to hold back when he's fighting somebody. Like he's always been afraid to really 
hurt somebody, blah, blah, blah. And while he's fighting Darkseid, he's given this speech and beating the absolute crap out of Darkseid. And he's like, and you know what? It finally feels good to let go. And he just beats the shit out of Darkseid. And it's so satisfying and so moving at the same time. And it shows you how powerful he really is without having to destroy 400 buildings in Metropolis. He's just punching this bad guy in the face and the bad guy's strong enough to take it. But he doesn't have to snap his neck. Like it, it really shows it's just Superman done so well. So at just talking about it makes me want to watch that whole series again rather than watching these animated DC movies again. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where I'll leave it. If you want to see a, a half decent animated movie, I'd say check this out. If you want to see this almost same story told much better, watch the end of the Adventures of Superman cartoon and then just watch the Adventures of Superman cartoon in general because it's fantastic. Justice League cartoons good too. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the Batman cartoon goes without saying. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series just is just a given that it's the winner. <laughs> but actually, there are some episodes about of, of Justice League that I think are... Nah, they're not as good, but they're good. So, Justice League's fantastic two, cartoon. It is. It is really good. Two points here I wanted to make about this whole DC thing that you've been doing. One, you've watched so many of these movies, and yet when you're saying... That this movie is one of the better ones. It still sounds like it's crap. It's still crap, yeah. And it just makes me think, Nick, why did you watch all of these movies? <laughs> secondly, I like, secondly, I like the Superman. You said uh, that's true. That's true. You said that it rips off, you know, the Avengers movies, the, the climax and all. And mm-hmm. and I believe you, but at the same time, I feel like every iteration of any of these comic book series it all culminates the same way like they always if you think about when they reboot it's always when it's just kind of gotten out of hand and they can't raise the stakes anymore so they all end up ending this way and then there's a giant all-out war yeah that's a good point yeah it always gets too big and then they restart yeah they're like oh Um, shit after uh 10 years we realized we didn't know where we were going with this I I totally agree with what you're saying, but I say like it's really ripping off the Avengers because it implies that there was a first movie that was never released where the bad guy wins. Uh And then this is the second movie where they're trying to take the world back. Yeah, I get you. So that's Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Super. (laughs) Next up. (laughs) Sort of. Don't check it out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I won't put words in your mouth. You can say check it out. Whatever you like. I, I'd say check it out. It's It was kind of cool. Um, I, ju- I just the, won't. The Suicide <laughs> Squad. Because you sound so disappointed still. The Suicide Squad shows. Like, once Harley Quinn shows up, you just want to smash your head in with her giant mallet. Oh, gosh. Uh, and you're just like, oh, God. Christ. What side was uh, she on? The good guys. Of course. Because the because Darkseid's killing everyone else. But Captain Boomerang is there, and who's a what's... King Shark is there, and I don't know anything about King Shark. I was going to say, it's a character I barely know. I guess King Shark is like DC's Groot, where he just says the same thing over and over again, where in this movie, he just keeps saying, King Shark is a shark, and he just looks like a street shark from 1994. Remember those puppets? Yeah. He looks just like that, but that's all he says is, King Shark is a shark. And everyone seems to know what he's implying, and that's kind of funny. But then I was like, oh, you're just ripping off Groot. Yeah. Well, and they already had that character, Amygdala, that was sort of the un- unable to communicate sort of dude. Mm, I'm not familiar. You don't know him. Amygdala? Oh, okay. No. Okay. Is he's that a, a he's Batman, Batman guy? guy? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah no, I'm not familiar with that. Hmm. One quick thought there. I, I just Jeez. got this image in my head, though, of Harley Quinn has become more or less a good guy, like chaotic good in a way. I would like to see something where they just like, she just goes completely dark again. And actually, I think it could be kind of a scary character if they did that, you know, where it's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually, if she became as sinister as the Joker has been at times i think it would be extra creepy anyway yeah i just would enjoy They're, that but it's like they take everybody it's like kind of like Catwoman set the stage where it's like yeah she was a bad guy but then she came over to the good side and they're like we're gonna do that with everybody because uh-huh. it's as if they're afraid to have the hero of or the protagonist of a story do something mean or or, like, or that like if people like a character then it has to become good right it, i i guess I guess if, I don't know, maybe, I think, has the, the Joker's never been a good guy, no matter what, right? So, the Riddler became a good guy. The Joker has done good things for bad reasons. Yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah, they uh, need to have someone be straight up creepy bad. Yeah, you need, like, a, a protagonist who's just a bad guy. Or have That's a- why I really like that Joker movie, is because he's just a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And and at the end, he's not, like, redeemed or anything, or at the end, you're like, oh, I guess he is, he is okay. He's not. He's he's worse and worse every day. But um, th- there are a few moments in this movie where you're like, wow, they almost have this Harley Quinn character down where most of the time this Harley Quinn animated character is just like a cartoon lady clown. And it doesn't imply that she's got a doctorate in psychology or anything at all. Mm-hmm. There are a few moments in this where she says smart things where she's like oh you just think that because of your repressed memories or you know like you you know how doctors mind doctors work (laughs) like she says a couple things like that and you're like oh yeah that should be more of what this character is like she should be more of a scarecrow kind of a villain because she knows how the mind works yeah instead of instead of just being a crazy clown lady yeah not all chaos like there's actually some some kind of elevated programming behind yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Guns Akimbo from 2019, starring Daniel Radcliffe. This movie was written and directed by Jason Lee Howden. It was produced by all of the companies that made that Fred Durst movie. Oh, God. Um, I don't know. There were like 4,000 production oh, yeah. companies at the beginning of it. So. Everyone threw in $10. Yeah. It was a potluck uh, movie. Apparently, it's a New Zealand film. It was shot in New Zealand. Even Murray from Flight of the Concord shows up for like two minutes. And I was like, he, he talks off stage. And I go, is that Murray? And it was. And I was like, oh, sweet. This movie was garbage. Uh, uh, I was looking forward to seeing this. I kind of wanted to see it in theaters, but I didn't know when it was coming out or if it had already come out. And apparently, according to IMDb, it came out just as the coronavirus hit. So I guess it was in theaters for like a week. But this movie sucked. I hated this. It oh, is it so bitter. Oh, man. It's because in this movie that I guarantee was written in 2004 and was only now made because there's a bunch of jokes that were for that time period. I'm going to I'm going to put a scenario in front of you, Matt. All right. Yeah. You're a policeman, right? Okay. Harry Potter starts running towards you and he has guns bolted to his hands. Yeah. Right. Okay. And he starts screaming, help, help, officer, help. What drug do you think Harry Potter is on? Running at me with guns in his hands? Yeah. I don't know, PCP or meth? Right. You went with meth because it's 2020. Not crack because it's not 2004. Everyone refers to Harry Potter as a crackhead in this movie. And I'm like, who says crackhead anymore? 
Yeah. Nobody takes crack anymore. Everybody takes meth. <laughs> like, like, like crack is so old. It's so uncool. All the cool kids take meth. <laughs> so Jesus, don't take meth. It's probably bad for you. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> um, Do you like your teeth? Don't take meth. <laughs> Do you want meth mouth like in Tiger King? Anyway, the point of this movie is it's the not too distant future. Some guy who is not the guy who plays Jigsaw in Saw has an, an underground internet streaming competition thing where he pits people against each other in a life or death struggle. You fight to the death and whoever wins moves on to the next round whenever they have to fight next. And the girl who's like in the lead is this girl called Nix. Uh, and I X played by Samara Weaving from uh... she is and she I know you don't watch the show but she looks just like Sweet D from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and I couldn't get past that. Mm, okay. This girl was in that Ready or Not movie. Yeah, that's what I was that gonna I think say. You liked. Yeah, you were very thumbs up for this girl in that movie, right? You're like she was great. Yeah, yeah, she was. Not this movie. Yeah, she's pretty terrible in this movie. This movie should have either just starred Sweet D from uh, It's Always Sunny, or my wife and I almost said it at the same time. It should star who's that singer that I'm all about now? Uh, Taylor Swift. Yes, it should be Taylor Swift because she dresses like Taylor Swift does in her shows or whatever. And I was like, that'd be funny if it was Taylor Swift killing people. That would be fun. I'd like to see Taylor Swift's career go in that direction where she just pops up in movies with a real like sense of humor. Yeah. Unfortunately, she was in Cats. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) She was also in that other animated movie I watched recently, but that was from years ago. Anyway, so this girl Nix is crazy and Daniel Radcliffe is real edgy. Like he's a real You know there's no T in Radcliffe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What am I am I saying Radcliffe? Yeah, it's like the Robert Pattison thing where you're like instead of taking the letter out, you're you're adding one in. Well, I've been saying Radcliffe for like twenty years now, so I'm not gonna stop. Well now you just said it right. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe works for some mobile game company. Uh-huh. And he is real edgy, man. Like real edgy but he's kind of a computer nerd you know and uh he gets bullied by his boss at this company but when he gets home he likes to log on the internet and pwn all the noobs you know what i mean like he gets on there and just starts noobs he just starts poning noobs you know he loves to talk trash on the internet and man can this guy talk some trash? He goes on to this website with the death matches and he starts talking some serious smack. Let's let me try to remember some of the stuff he says. Like he says, I think at one point he says, Your mom is I mean, can you imagine? Wow. Saying that about somebody's mom? Or and I think at one point he says, I know you are, but what am I? What? Is this supposed to take place in 1992? No, it takes place in the not-too-distant future. And I guess in the future, it's okay to talk to people like that. Well, I guess it's not, because that's what gets him in the trouble, is talking such trash on people. And so, while he's on the internet, the guy who runs the deathmatch private messages him, and he's like, you think you're such a tough guy, huh? And Daniel Radcliffe is like, yeah, yeah, I am, and you can go F off. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, 
he said that on camera with a keyboard. And then the guy who runs the death match, I think his name is Richter. He says, well, we're coming for you now. And then Daniel Radcliffe is like, whatever chump. I'm pretty sure he calls him chump. Uh-huh. And, and then the guy sends him his IP address and Daniel Radcliffe's like, Oh no, they know where I am. Crap. And then he, he's scared and he stands up and he's wearing like a robe and some bear slippers because oh i've seen pictures from this on the internets Uh uh-huh and he's like oh no he knows where i am i guess now is a good time to take a nap and so he goes to sleep and then the next morning the bad guy shows up and they basically kidnap him and there is actually one very funny moment where the bad guy says, knock him out and throw him in the truck. And this guy just starts pu- trying to punch Daniel Radcliffe in the face. And he just has a weak punch for some reason. And Daniel Radcliffe is just like, what What are you doing? Why are you hitting me in the face like that? that? That is actually pretty funny. And eventually he gets handguns bolted to his hands and he gets told he's got to fight this girl, Nix, the Taylor Swift sweet D girl. Then the movie goes from there and then it's stupid. What this movie is going for is like a high octane, quirky, cyber John Wick kind of feel mm-hmm. where everybody is part of this underground murder club and people are dying left and right but there's always someone else to take their place blah 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 but it's supposed to be very tongue-in-cheek and silly and over the top and boy does it miss the tone on every possible chance every possible time i mean it makes every mistake you could possibly make while making this movie i could not believe it while watching it that you could get everything so wrong at once about a movie like this like so many people die in this movie and there's nothing but awful looking digital squibs and i hate those in the first place but then like later on there's this one sequence where some dude bleeds and it's like a practical effect and the blood looks terrible but it's like real and daniel radcliffe's reacting to it and i'm like look how effective that is even though the blood looks like klingon blood from that one star trek movie it's all pink but look how he's like reacting to it it has weight and it's landing on his face kind of stuff where Mm. you're just kind of like the rest of the time somebody gets shot digital blood sprays in the air while someone flies backwards and you're just like ugh. and then this girl nix is able to kill anyone she wants at will she kills a room full of 50 people in like two minutes but then she's not able to shoot harry potter who doesn't who's running around in bear slippers the whole movie and you're just like uh god end this movie please this was awful this was really bad i didn't have a real problem with uh daniel radcliffe's performance but Mm -hmm. and everyone's playing an american like i guess that's kind of the joke of the movies that everyone in New Zealand's playing an American. It's just not good. I, I hated this. I hated it so much, and it just would not end. And it's only like an hour and a half long. My wife wanted to turn it off after 10 minutes. I was like, well, we can't turn it off now. She's like, turn this off. <laughs> I just said, no, we're Did watching she leave? it. She wanted to. She stopped watching it. She was just on her phone. And then I was just yelling at the TV. Man, I hated this. There's at one point, because they run this internet streaming thing. Yeah. Where basically these drones follow around the contestants all over the, the city. And then they go to like the control room that they have for this. And I work in television and I know how live video production works. And the people who made this movie do not 
<laughs> that really annoyed me too, where there's like the, the main bad guy is like acting as the producer and he has hired a director to direct the show and the director is directing the show and he's telling somebody to push buttons, but he is the one sitting in front of the switcher and the switcher is what you use to change your video and graphical images on screen. And I'm like, who are you telling to do this to? You're do- who are you talking <laughs> you're to? Right you are the one doing it. Yeah. And then the main bad guy's like, no, stick with this camera. And the director's like, listen, I know what I'm doing. And then he kills him. The bad guy kills the director. And then he sits down in the chair and he goes, get me the feed for drone seven. And I'm like, you're, you're there. (laughs) Are you just killed the guy talking to his own hands? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, man, figure out how something works. It's so sloppy and so boring, and it just seemed like everyone gave up on this movie on the third day of shooting, where they're like, oh, we don't have this. We we don't got it. Yeah. So, skip it. All right. All right. The next movie that I watched was The Ides of March, and this movie is from 2011. It is directed by George Clooney. It stars Ryan Gosling, Clooney, Paul Giamatti, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Marissa Tomei shows up, Evan Rachel Wood, who is a completely different actress than I thought. (laughs) I thought that I've heard that name so many times and I thought that she was a completely different person. And now I don't know who who I thought that person was. Paul Giamatti's Um, in this too, huh? Yeah, and he's great. I always like Paul Giamatti. He always does a good performance. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is good too. And basically this movie tells the story of Ryan Gosling is the wide-eyed media manager for George Clooney's presidential campaign. And it is the last couple weeks, I guess, leading up to the Ohio primary for the Democratic presidential election. And basically, it comes down to whoever wins Ohio is going to become the Democratic nominee for the presidency. Ryan Gosling really believes in George Clooney. He likes everything George Clooney stands for and all this stuff. But then there's a twist and the movie falls apart. Uh, (laughs) It falls apart so fast. Like it goes from being this very interesting political drama about how these campaigns act and react based on polling information and like what's our message and compromise and corruption and trying to fight all these things while trying to be the electable candidate you think you are in your head. And then all of a sudden the movie just nose dives because of a, a, like it just goes, it's like, we don't really know how to end this movie. Let's just go with scandal. And then that's where it goes. And it just turns into like this lifetime movie. It's, it's pretty disappointing. It's a, a waste of a lot of really good performances. Philip Seymour Hoffman's really good in this movie, but largely wasted. Ryan Gosling's excellent in this, but he's got, there's really nothing for him to do. Clooney doesn't have anything to do. He just basically plays one note up until the end of the movie. It's largely a, a real misfire. It's 45 minutes of a really interesting political drama. And then it just turns into this like shitty thriller movie where you're like, what? What the hell is going on? Why are we watching this movie now? Get back to the politics. That's what I care about. I don't care about all this other garbage. That's really, I think, all I got to say. I, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you. I would say check it out. It is uh, kind of interesting. Like the Democratic primary season largely wrapped up a few months ago when this Corona thing happened, but it, it was pretty much sewn up for Joe Biden then. And in In this fictional universe, it's basically Joe Biden versus... Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. going for the 
Democratic nomination, and, and they're kind of tied, and whoever wins this is basically going to win the next thing. And that's where we were as a country a few weeks ago, where you have this really progressive candidate versus like this really, well, I wouldn't say Biden is a really uh, Christian guy, but like you've got your religious Democratic guy, and then you got your liberal progressive Democratic guy going against each other. And I would go with like Bernie Sanders is George Clooney, and Joe Biden is this other guy. And you could see why Ryan Gosling's all gaga for Clooney, because he believes in all this good stuff. Whereas the other candidate is just your run of the mill kind of a white guy politician dude standard and the blank kind of guy exactly and the movie is real interesting when it goes into how the people who work for the campaigns they don't really care about the campaigns they're just worried about their next job like where's the next paycheck coming from and all that stuff and then it just devolves into this stupid scandal and pretty disappointing i'd say watch the first 45 minutes and then feel free to turn it off because you know how it's gonna end that is there's nothing about your description of this that's just making it sound worth watching at all (laughs) I like George Clooney and Ryan Gasling, but I don't really want to see them in a movie where it's just like, eh, middle of the road. Yeah. And that's what this is. It's real middle of the road. And it's I've, a I've shame been hearing the because... phrase aggressively mediocre lately. This sounds like Ooh, it's aggressively yeah. mediocre. I like that. It's really well shot. It's well performed. It's just the movie's got the scandal thing really turned me off. I was like, man, this was such an interesting movie without that. Where the movie turns into that when really it should be about one Ryan Gosling realizing that his dream candidate isn't all he's cracked up to be. Yeah. And I mean, it it is kind of about that. But what it should be is more of him being there for when Clooney makes these compromises that he doesn't want to make, but he has to in order to be an electable candidate. And that's what it should be about. Jeffrey Wright is in this movie, and he plays this senator who has all these electoral votes or whatever, and whoever he endorses is also going to win. And he says he's going to endorse whoever wins Ohio. So both candidates are trying to win this guy's endorsement, but in order to get his endorsement, he wants to be secretary of state for whoever it is. And Clooney hates this guy. At one point, Clooney says, this guy wants me to put him in charge of the State Department where his lifelong ambition has been to dismantle the UN. It's essentially like in order to get Steve Bannon's support to be a candidate, you have to hire Steve Bannon. That stuff in the movie is very interesting where like politicians have to make all these no win compromises. And Clooney does a good job throughout the movie of doing all this stuff. And then the movie, it just takes this turn and you're just like, ugh. I don't want this movie. Give me the political thing where I can find out who actually wins based on how stupid the public is. Oh my. I just received a very sexually suggestive text message from a random uh, phone number. (laughs) What's it say? It says, time to stay home and enjoy some sex, Nick. Turn into a beast with this revolutionary free trick. And then what looks like a very, a very legit website Uh, And then it says, girls are going to be crazy about you. Well, I'll save that for later. All you girl listeners out there who are crazy for Nick, make sure you send him a message. Let him know it's real. I'm going to get a revolutionary free trick. But he also has a wife, so don't expect anything. (laughs) (laughs) I've been getting text messages like that like crazy. Have you been getting like the weird sexually suggestive text messages? No, sir. I don't have the mojo. I hate it because my kids are getting to the age where they're using my phone all the time and my son can read now. So inappropriate. 
He's going to be um, like, we need some star fruit. <laughs> You're going to check your phone <laughs> and be like, eat this one fruit to make... Anyway. Gross. Yeah. Finally, the last movie I watched is an animated feature called Away from 2019, directed by Gintz Zilbalodis. Apparently, this is like a Latvian film. According to the IMDb, it's about a boy and a little bird are on a strange journey across a strange island trying to get back home. And that is not true. Not necessarily true. So the movie starts off and it's this guy. I, I don't you don't know if it's a boy or a, a man or, or a young man. And he's hanging from a tree because he has parachuted out of an airplane and he like wakes up and he's in like a desert touched on this tree. And off in the distance is this black shadow monster that I just started referring to as Vin Diesel is coming towards him. He's afraid of it. The monster gets him and like swallows him. The boy takes his straps off and falls out of the monster and runs away. And then the monster is just chasing him. And the monster's like 20 feet tall and the kid runs and runs and runs. And eventually he finds this like oasis area and the monster won't enter there, but there's a motorcycle. There is no dialogue in this movie at all. Oh, wow. It's very much like that red turtle movie I watched long time ago, that animated movie about the turtle. Yeah. I don't know if you remember me talking about that. No, I that remember that. Yeah, yeah. This movie was not great. No. I really didn't like this. Man, um, your week sucked. It did. I've had such a week. The animation style of this movie is is interesting but terrible. It looks like pre-visualization for a Pixar movie where they said here's generally how it's going to look and then we're going to build it up from here. And the guy who saw it went, "Ah, no bother. It looks great now. Let's release it." And and you're like, "Oh, Okay. The backgrounds and the scenery that this movie takes place in are gorgeous and it, everything's very polygonal and colorful, but the main character, it looks like I drew it. It's <laughs> really bad. Kid's got no facial features. There's nothing going on with this kid the whole time. He makes friends with this baby bird and like for whatever reason, him and the bird start traveling together to stay away from the shadow monster Vin Diesel. They have an adventure. I don't know if he's trying to get back home because the place that he's trying to he finds a map of this island or whatever the hell he's on and at the other end of the island is a harbor and in this harbor are turn-of-the-century sailboats and he has clearly jumped out of an airplane he's not trying to get home i think he's just looking for civilization and so this movie goes on it's only an hour and 15 minutes but this movie goes on and on and he's just trying to stay ahead of this shadow monster who whenever he comes across an animal the animal's like hey what's this and then he kills the animal by absorbing its whatever i don't know and then all these birds fall out of the sky and at one point the kid knocks this the shadow monster off of a bridge and he thinks it's dead and so he just decides to take seven naps I think he just keeps taking naps and I'm like, dude, go. You don't know that this thing's dead. And it just, you know, the movie just goes on and on. And I didn't like this. I didn't like it. I don't really have all that much more to say about it. The story is a C minus at best. And while the movie was going on, I was talking to Jill and she didn't want to watch this. And so I was like, what do you think this movie's trying to say? Because there's no dialogue. And I'm like, it's, I'm sure there's some sort of moral message here or, or ambiguous message. And I'm like, is it that the shadow of death is always right behind us no matter what we do? And you have to keep moving forward and you have to stay ahead of death. 
And Jill goes, I don't care. (laughs) And then at one point, this bird, the baby bird tries to fly and the boy grabs him and keeps him from flying. And I'm like, oh, he's trying to he's trying to stay ahead of death, but hold on to the things he has instead of letting them spread their wings and grow. But then the bird just leaves. (laughs) The bird's like, I'm going to leave. And he gets out of his like backpack and flies away. He comes back later, but you're just like, uh, I don't know what this movie wants to tell me. Maybe it makes more sense in Latvia where it won some sort of award, Hmm. but I have talked for a long time now (laughs) and I am done. Okay. Well then, Gretel and Hansel as recommended by Nick from from 2019. So... (laughs) The plot of Gretel and Hansel is uh, something witchy from the beginning that's going to sort of get resolved at the end. And in between, these kids, Gretel and Hansel, live with a witch. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we've both seen this now, so we're going to ruin it. Yeah. Let's see. So basically, this movie kicks off with a little bit of backstory on some girl... That you don't, I guess, really know who it is, but she is being banished because she has ended up with these like witchy powers and she was like resurrected, right? Like that she she was sick or she died and then the father had her brought back by making some sort of pact. She came back with like witchy powers and she, she came back with like the power of a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, it's it's a little sketchy, which I'm fine with. Actually, overall I'm I'm pretty fine with everything this movie does. There were some some parts where I was like, oh, like could have been done a little bit differently or a little bit better, but overall I kind of like the this overall product and she tells her dad to kill himself mentally and then she's banished that didn't make any sense to me though how are they able to get her out of the town like why doesn't she just turn her mind powers against everyone i don't know i don't know that she couldn't or if she was just like all right well i'm too good for you people anyway i'm not sure but i could believe that she would maybe come back for revenge kind of like a maleficent kind of thing but instead what she does do is go and live in the forest although it's not her right so the way this resolves was a little I, i rewound one piece to try to make sure i understood right who when the witch reveals who she is at the end to make sure i understood who she actually was she's the mom right right yeah. And okay. so, yeah, so so you're, you're kind of under the impression that the witch in this movie is the little girl who went into the forest, but she's not. And I'm not quite sure exactly who the little girl is now. There was a moment where I was like, wait, is the little girl Gretel's mother and the witch is gretel's grandmother or are these unrelated people and i i couldn't quite clarify that there were a couple things in my mind that seemed to be coming together that i couldn't quite resolve and i questioned myself a bit here because i'm like i'm not sure if the movie's not making this clear enough or if it's not supposed to be particularly clear and that's why it's ambiguous or if i'm missing something in the other aspect of the movie that was like that were these like feminism themes where i feel like i could like almost get it this is one of those moments where i wish we had like a female co-host so she could maybe fill in some stuff and go like yeah yeah i know what they're hitting on here here's what they're trying Uh, i guess i could i could do that you can be the female host yeah i could do it go for it okay well then go ahead (laughs) hello hello, matt no okay never mind uh so there are themes that go throughout the movie and i think they're what's supposed to 
tie it together a little bit more than the plot itself per se because it's it's touching on power dynamics and women having power that they're sort of gaslighted out of having or at least that's what i feel like is going on there and the witch by the end of the movie has kind of helped gretel get in touch with the fact that she actually has power it doesn't quite have the sort of elevated horror feel that the witch has or maybe hereditary but it feels like it's kind of in that direction but then it's got all this really really cool and sometimes kind of like just indulgent camera work and plot points like at one point the kids are just high they like eat these mushrooms and they are just tripping balls and uh i don't know man i kind of dug this movie (laughs) um there are some parts that are i'm not sure why they're there like there's a moment where these kids go in this house and a zombie shows up or (laughs) pops up next to them and then some dude comes in and blows its head off basically with an arrow and then he's like look i'm gonna feed you guys and then i'm gonna send you on your way he's just this really pleasant seeming dude and then i guess he gives them instructions to the witch's house i can't tell whether he's actually whether he's, I don't think he does. Okay. I think he's just because uh, he tells them to watch out for wolves because they're very handsome and very seductive or some or very charming or something like that. And they don't come across anything like that. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say that the the witch is handsome or charming. Well, she's scary. There's but nice. There's narration in this movie too that kind of touches on this where the where Gretel says, you know, something along the lines of should we trust people who show up with whatever we need? How come you spoke as her without doing a Harrison Ford voice? Cuz I don't think she sounded like that at all. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she did not in any way have a accent. <laughs> she did not put on an accent at all. You're dead correct about that but i didn't feel like she was narrating grumpily (laughs) or angrily but she she basically says something about like should we really trust people when they show up and they're just selling us whatever we think we want should we really trust that should we accept that and so i wasn't Mm -hmm. sure if this guy was supposed to represent that a bit too or if he was genuinely giving them instructions somewhere and they just ran across this witch house on the way Couldn't i think tell that's what happened how orchestrated this whole thing was i get the feeling that this was supposed to be a werewolf movie and then this witch got in the way i don't know man because i feel like the whole especially if i think about her as potentially being related in some way to Gretel. i feel like this is like all plotted out the witch has been waiting for her for quite some time but it's also possible that she's just been waiting for somebody not mm-hmm. Gretel in particular. And then she's like, oh, here's this other girl who has this power within her. And uh, it happens to be this girl, Gretel, which I which I can buy, too. I'm going to go back to the very beginning of the movie for a moment here and say that you were right mm-hmm. about the Orion thing. Oh, yeah. It just it like kind of looks bootlegged. I'm like, OK, so this yeah. movie's going for a bootlegged appeal. And it's all grainy and whatnot. And then the movie it itself like is, 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 you know, you might think like, oh, we're in for some grit here. And then you're like, wait. No, we're in for the most amazing, beautiful photography ever. Uh, yeah. It's it's such it's a switch. <laughs> it's so gorgeous looking. I have never, I don't think, ever seen a movie as beautiful as this movie. Like, I was like, oh, this is why I bought my TV. You know, like, <laughs> it's been a couple years now, but this is what my TV has been waiting for to yeah. show me. So anyway, we'll, we'll get back to that. I mean, the, the colors and the contrasts, and it's just so rich. Every like single shot is yeah. great. Whatever care 
or maybe it's not lack of care. Maybe it's just it's meant to be kind of disorganized. I, I suspect it's I suspect the script is not exactly what anyone was going for. But if everybody was so focused on the visuals, I don't even mind. This is like it, it's the opposite of the experience I have with like a Guillermo del Toro movie where I'm like, God damn it. Can't you put some story in here with this? I'm like, <laughs> just feed my eyeballs. This is the best thing I've ever seen. But coming back to the story a little bit. So, yeah, the this guy lets his this enchantress uh, heal his daughter. She maybe becomes a witch. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place actually there. But there's some stuff still at the beginning where Gretel, her mom basically is like, get out of here. You both suck. And I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Uh, obviously, the, the mother's very disturbed. I'm not sure if we're supposed to be able to tell exactly what her issue is or, or why she's as resentful as she is of the kids. But she boots them out of the house and... This girl. I think it's just because they don't have food. Like they're just well, poor. Gretel went to interview for some job at a a rich manor. Uh, yeah. And he basically wanted her to become a whore or something, right? I think he more or less. So there's this guy interviewing her that has, for some reason, some sort of sexy ankle leather. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and uh, it's like that the, sort of style. thing that's supposed to hold up your socks or something. I'm not sure why socks were falling down quite so much. I guess well, they hadn't lack of elastic, elastic yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're taking modern times too casually. Yeah. And don't appreciate what I've got. But he basically is like, yeah, you're going to have to have sex with me if you want to work here. And this is where this kind of theme kicks in of Gretel having some sort of inkling of, I don't have to take that shit. So she doesn't do it. She's like, no, thanks. I'm not taking this job. And then mom's like, well, then get out of my house. And so they do. Then they run across the zombie. Then they get saved by the dude who sends them on their way. And then, which? When they find this house, they're seeing all this food that's in the house. And Hansel has just been going on. Hansel's like that kid from Dick Tracy. He's just like, when are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's setting the the stage a little, maybe a little bit too much for when they get there. They're like, ah, food. Exactly what we wanted. All the food. All the food. And then they just like, well, I guess we'll go in and steal some food. And then Gretel throws a rock that must be like 900 pounds with no effort whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Just bonk. Like... I, if I had picked up that rock, I would probably need to walk up to the door to smash the door with it. But she's just like chucking it. She's like, here. And it doesn't do anything. It doesn't knock the door down. But eventually, what's his face gets caught by the witch. The witch comes out and she's like, hey, Gretel. Well, both of you just <laughs> well, come she on inside. catches the boy with her giant Batman cape. I don't even, I didn't catch that. Gretel sees her down the hallway and she looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. And then Hansel's eating like a giant turkey. And then she's like, is like, I'm Batman. And she covers him in his cape. I didn't see that. <laughs> I might have been, I might have been writing down my note about the rock. But anyways, so she brings them both into her house and... She's like, hey, you know, why don't you guys stay here? Give you some food. They say, oh, well, we're going to be getting on our way tomorrow to keep going where we want to go. Or actually, I think at first they're planning on leaving right after eating. And she's like, no, you know, stay here for the night. And then they stay there longer. And then eventually the witch basically is sending Hansel out to like chop wood. And there's this, again, with the themes, there's this sort of like hyper masculinity thing that's playing out in this kid where he's just like, I'm going to be so tough. But then he's actually not very powerful and he can't even chop down a tree and then Gretel starts to get powers and she can just rip trees down with her mind when it comes to what's going on in the movie I feel like and I could be completely wrong on this but I feel as though they made the movie and then they went 
how abstract is this? And somebody in the room went, this is a bit too abstract for people to follow. We better just put in some narration. (laughs) So Gretel's got this like voiceover stuff that pops in every now and again. And it's kind of like, here, I'm going to give you a little push to let you know what's going on here. Let you know a little bit about the themes and stuff. I think that same person who said put the narration in also said put in the jump scares. That one part where the bird just flies out of nowhere for no reason. Oh, yeah. I guess there are a couple things that are thrown in a little bit. That all said, though, I feel like if you were to try to explain why all the things are happening, there'd there'd definitely be some like loose ends and things that you wouldn't be able to quite place. But overall, I still feel like the movie has a pretty good flow to it, at least in terms of tone. It's kind of like you can feel the the soundtrack of it in a way. It doesn't feel like it's completely just a mix of too many people in the room doing different things. It's mm-hmm. just not particularly clear. I did feel you, you had made mention when you reviewed this last week of a feeling as though there's not much purpose behind the change in each character, the Hansel and Gretel characters, like their desire to stay at the witch's house or to leave. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like it was quite that unclear. I, I, I and, and maybe part of that's because you mentioned it, or maybe it was because I was thinking about these themes a bit more, but it felt like a pretty established transition to me. It wasn't gradual, but like one day Gretel's like, I don't feel good about this place because she's having like these psychic dreams and stuff. She's like, I think we need to get out of here. And Hansel's like, no, no, no. I like all this food. We, of course we want to stay. But then over the course of the next day or so, the witch starts to kind of take Gretel under her wing. And she's like, here, let me teach you some things. Let me show you what kind of power you might have. Here, you know what? And I and I think this has to do with the gender imagery stuff. Because she's like, here, here's this long wood thing. Make it erect with your mind. Go ahead. Do it. And she's like, oh, I can. I can make a wood boner. And it's Touch kind of this, this goo first. <laughs> and it's kind of this introduction to, to her being powerful. And meanwhile, Hansel's out in the woods starting to get creeped out by things. And then I think that's the point at which like he doesn't come home. Gretel's like getting a little worried about him. She's like, oh, you know. Well, we- Gretel freaks out on him the one day, or doesn't she? Oh, yeah. He, he does come home and he's like, I have not had the best experience. He doesn't explain anything. He just says, I want to get going. And she's like, well, wait, no, actually, this place is pretty cool. I think we should stay here. I'm I'm getting something out of this. And, you know, she wasn't there for what he went through. So she, and he's not good at explaining himself. It's also worth saying he's he's quite a bit younger than she is. And then he disappears. And Gretel's like, I think I need to look for Hansel. It doesn't make sense that he's gone. And the witch is just kind of seducing her in a way. It's not sexual necessarily, but. She's just like, no, you know what? He'll be fine. Just keep working on potions and stuff with me. And then eventually it all kind of comes out and Gretel kills the witch and it's pretty cool. But that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And and the, I like how the witch makes breakfast every day. <laughs> oh, you mean like how they show how she turns all the body parts into food? Yeah. Yeah. And then she makes and then like at breakfast the next day or lunch or whatever, she's like trying not to eat anything. Uh-huh. And she's like, <laughs> So in these like dream sequences, Gretel gets once she starts to realize the darkness of things again, she gets a peek into like, here's what this woman's doing. And it's a little strange because I feel like the witch would know that she's able to see through in her dreams what's going on because the witch does reference her dreams earlier, but she gets to see that what this woman is doing is like just piling body parts onto 
a table or onto the floor and, and then just like magicking them into food, which is really funny because there's a moment where she pulls out an arm when she's getting ready to like make this pile of guts and whatnot. And she's like, Hmm, I think it needs one more arm. <laughs> she like pulls his arm out and throws yeah. it on there. And then she turns it all into like turkey and whatnot. Like she turns it into a big pig. Yeah. There's like a, yeah. One of those like suckling pig things. And then, you know, that's when, or I guess shortly after that, Gretel's like, okay, and you're going to cook my brother. He's in here somewhere. So then the story sort of comes out of who this woman is and that she's not actually the girl who was sent into the forest, but that she's her mother and that she sort of learned from the girl how to become powerful and then she ate her own children is it clear to you like I, I don't feel like they say exactly what happened to the girl and I think that's why I was thinking maybe she became Gretel's mom because I don't think I, I don't think she eats her I think she just I, learns from her and then eats her other kids I really don't remember and honestly until you mentioned the prologue of this movie with the Twilight Zone story I had completely forgotten that whole plot that whole thread i had completely forgotten about that whole thing until you mentioned it and i went oh yeah she's the mom i think she did eat the kid because that's how she got the powers or something like that's how she unlocked her full Mm. potential or something because that's why she says she has to eat hansel right i oh why why gretel needs to eat hansel yeah yeah, I think that's you have I to think eat that's your own your own or something like that, your kin or something like that. Maybe, maybe. And in which case, you know, obviously the if she ate the daughter who was magical, then she obviously the daughter wouldn't be Hansel or yeah, Gretel's mom. But I did I see I see I she obviously ate some other kids cuz she's I think she references there being a few like she's walking a few kids into the house and then cooking them and all this cool pretty smoke comes out. But I I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't think that the the little girl was who had like the witchy powers was one of the kids being walked into that house to get eaten. So I'm not quite sure. Um, I don't remember. But listeners, if any of you watch this and I think you should, let us know what you think. This movie does a really good job like i said it's gorgeous like nick said it's gorgeous it did a really good job of like keeping me on edge while she's at the witch's house and there's just this kind of tension and unease that you can feel the whole time even though you know a bit more of what's going on than gretel and hansel do i feel like i want to watch it again and and i didn't want to read anything before we talked because i didn't want to (laughs) cheat so Mm -hmm. i might be wrong about my interpretation on some of the themes but i would like to to get a better sense of what it's saying about women trusting their instincts and being told by society like that they have no power and maybe get a little more information on like other hints at these sorts of themes to to make it a bit clearer. There's not just beautiful imagery in terms of how the scenes are set up. There's also just some really cool imagery in terms of like the content. Like when she is bending that tree to her will, I was like, that's pretty awesome. And I don't know why this is in my notes for the good parts. <laughs> But there's a, I do have a, a note that's like Gretel can can will herself to to vomit up sleeping potion, which I thought was kind of odd. She she drinks this potion that the witch gives her, and then she immediately goes to her room and just throws it up. But she doesn't like put a spoon in her mouth or like put her finger down her throat or anything. She's just like, I'm gonna throw this back up. And I was like, that's it's interesting. <laughs> um, so I think I just put that note in the wrong place in my notes though. Bad stuff. 
I did not care for the mother's performance. I felt like it was kind of strange and over the top. I don't know why the they wouldn't. Gretel's Gretel's mom or yeah. the, the young witch? Gretel's mom. Gretel's uh-huh. mom. I don't really know why they wouldn't cast someone British. I, I like the actress. I, I can't remember her name right now, uh, but she was the girl in It. I like her. But, you know, like you said, her she's the one person who has no accent of any sort. And I don't know why they wouldn't just get a British actress. And like I said, I do think the narration is in there to kind of fill in stuff that the movie didn't have before. So the narration feels a little strange. Once the movie ends with Gretel being powerful and everything i guess it does it makes it a little bit more fitting that there would be some narration because it's like okay she's telling this story to a degree but every time she she does narrate it's in the present tense so it's it's a little strange i don't care for that part of things very much i don't really know what the implication is at the end when they show hansel sharpening an axe like is he gonna come kill his sister Oh, I think they're just saying he's going to become a woodsman. Okay. Like he goes home and he finds the, like the, isn't, doesn't he find the ax that the mom, like he goes back to his childhood home and the ax that his mom threatened that her daughter with is on the table still. Yeah. And he's like, well, I guess I'll get to work. He's assuming his role as a man and she's going to become a crazy forest witch lady <laughs> as a woman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So I wasn't completely clear on what the implication was supposed to be there. I felt like he was like going to go back and set something straight or something. But it, it's not like they leave on particularly bad terms. She's she's like, you're going to have to go home now. And he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the weirder or stranger moments were like the that pile of parts needing one more arm. There was also that Gretel's hat looked like it was from, or not Gretel. Damn it. I keep getting their names mixed up. Hansel's hat looks like it's from like 2018 he's wearing this like baseball cap with like a shortened brim and i'm like i don't yeah. know if that is actually of the times or not but it seems weird to me and that's about it I, I don't have a whole lot more to say other than that i enjoyed this movie a lot more than i thought i would and nick is 120 percent right like definitely a gorgeous movie Whoever shot this, I've, I've never followed like a director of photography or I, I don't know who makes these decisions more, the, the actual director or, or the director of photography. But if I can follow whoever did this, I'll just sit and watch whatever they work on because I just can't think of another movie that was shot this well. Yeah, the way the movie looks really elevates the content. Like, I think I would absolutely hate it if it just looked bland. The fact that it looks so nice, I think forces you to think about it a little heavier than it deserves because i like it and hearing you talk about it makes me appreciate it a little more but like i really think that there's not a whole lot there Mm -hmm. but because it looks so nice you kind of look at it with more of an artistic eye instead of a storytelling eye so like what are they trying to tell me subconsciously or subliminally if this looked like garbage Mm -hmm. i would not even put in the effort to try to see what it's trying to say i I would just be looking at it strictly from a how's the plot you know and i think i think lately maybe because of some of these like elevated horror movies i watch i uh, not maybe not all horror movies but uh, the ones that have that sort of feel to it i watch them a bit differently where i'm not just interested in the plot and how events unfold i'm more into the themes and the tone and the atmosphere and what it's doing to me as an experience and then when it comes to movies that aren't sort of abstract or artistic it's like hey you better have a good plot i want to see this 
unfold in a way that's fun storytelling and that makes sense and is clever. And so if this didn't have that, I don't think the story's bad, but I don't think it would have much to offer. And as far as the themes go, if they weren't brought into this really kind of artistic presentation, I think, yeah, they wouldn't come across much. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't be enjoying it nearly as much. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of movies that these days I could just play on my phone while I'm watching. This movie, I just didn't even want to look away from the screen. All right, that's cool. So that's it. And that was our last movie. So I think we're done. That's the climax of the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it is time for our movie rankings list update. Five on five. Oh, I'll play that song. Five on five. There, it's it's got a theme song now. (laughs) Wow. What a what a tune. Excellent. Matt, you watched Gretel and Hansel. Both. Hansel. Hansel. Um, he's so hot right now. Hansel, why are you eating all the food? Hansel, don't eat all the ham. There you Turns go. out it's people. <laughs> there you go. But Gretel, I'm so hungry. <laughs> there is a point in this movie where he has eaten a shitload of food and she's like, Go ahead and eat your, stop being rude. Eat your ginormous pie. <laughs> yeah, it turns into like that scene from Matilda Never where the fat, the fat kid has to eat the giant pie or that giant cake. Nope. Oh, Matilda's, Matilda's good. The book is better. So what do you right, think, I think I'm going to give I think, and Gre- or Gretel and Hansel? I think you're going to give this movie a ooh, three and a half or three. I think you're going to go with a three and a half. Okay. All right, so plot or story. I think it's more or less what it needs to be and with the themes being kind of uh, implied and stuff, it's a little it's a little mixy. I'm going to go with a 3 and a half. No, I'm going to go with a 3 on the plot. 1 1 point for it just being a decent plot, you know there is one, and then 2 points for the themes and stuff. Acting. Uh, uh I'm going to give it a 3 and a half on acting. No, I'm going to give it a 3 on acting. Pacing. I I actually really liked the way this movie moved. There were some times where it felt a little bit slow, but not much. And the imagery really still had me wrapped in. So I'm going to give it a four on pacing. Aesthetics, if I could go above a five, I would. I'm going to give it a five. And enjoyment, I am going to give it a four. Wow, that brings your score to a 3.8. All right. Which cracks your top 10. Nice. Onto my list. Yeah. What do you think I'm going to give Justice League Dark Apocalypse War? I think you're going to give it a two and a half. Plot for this, I mean, it exists. It's half decent. I'm going to give it a two and a half. I'm going to give it a two and a half. I was invested. The voice acting is pretty good. The guy who plays Constantine, who's like the main character of it, he's pretty great. I liked him in that last Justice League Dark movie, and I think it's the same guy from the Constantine TV show that no one watched, including myself, but it was supposed to be very good. And it's cool that that actor picked up the voice acting gig. I think that's neat. But everyone else is pretty bland. Uh, I'm going to go two and a half again on voice acting. Nothing spectacular, but nothing terrible. Pacing, I'm going to give it a two. It does slag at some points. Superman's got this weird Superman iPhone watch that's in the, you know, like the Superman S shape that he can talk to Lois Lane on. And they they call each other a lot just to say, I love you. And you're like, "Uh, you're wasting everyone's time. (laughs) 
just get rid of Lois Lane. Like she, she should have been the first person to die. And and then, then Superman's got to live with that aesthetic. The movie looks pretty cool. It's made very well. The voice acting doesn't sound stilted. People sound like they're in a room together. Uh, I'm going to give the aesthetic a three and a half and enjoyment. I'm going to give it a three and mostly because I'm glad it's over and hopefully they could start on a fresh foot with the next, you know, because it'll never end. But that gives its score to be a 2.7. Oh, wow. Now I wish I hadn't given it that three. 2.7 <laughs> feels a little high. Guns Akimbo. What do you think I'm going to give this movie? Oh, man. Um, I, I can't think of anything you had to say that was positive about this i am gonna say you're gonna give it a one and a half so plot for this movie what's what's strange is that the plot for this movie is kind of interesting like it's there's a there's a again there's a good idea here it's just that the way it was executed is just terrible if this was in somebody else's hands and then written in this decade i think it, it would have been a lot more fun maybe um did you ever see shoot em up no the clive owen movie no that movie is silly fun paul giamatti's in that too he's the bad guy in that uh that movie is is stupid and silly but a lot of fun and i feel like that's what this movie wanted like wanted to be and it just failed where where shoot em up succeeds in almost everything it's trying to do this movie fails so for plot i'm going to give it a two for the plot and now i want to watch shoot em up acting i'm going to give it a two and a half for acting it wasn't bad it's just a lot of it's over the top and just kind of obnoxious but it's not like they're doing a bad job pacing i'm going to give it a one this movie is slow as shit and boring and you just want it to end the aesthetic i'm going to give it a one it is so kinetic the way it's shot and it's it's you're so aware of the camera moving like there's like the steady cam doing like these upside down movements while while daniel radcliffe is rolling over a table and like the camera like stabilizes on his face as we roll across the table and it, and it's just like it's like really cool looking, but done so improperly, like, or unnecessarily. It's just so unnecessarily. <sighs> what am I trying to say? It's just, they're trying way too hard to make it look action packed where instead of like trying to make it inter interesting. Wow. It's only so, an hour and 38 minutes too. Yeah. It's brutal. That's a, that's a long one thirty-eight. and enjoyment. I'm going to give this a one and a half, I think. And I feel like I'm being generous with that, which brings my score for that to be a 1.6. Mm. It, this is the, the description on, uh, on IMDb. A guy relies on his newly acquired gladiator skills to save his ex-girlfriend from kidnappers. That's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, that kind of happens, but that's not the plot, really. Okay. The girlfriend in the movie, they're like broken up and they're trying to get back together. And he gets these guns attached to his hands and he like runs to her because he thinks she can help him. And he's like hiding his hands in his robe. And she, he says to her, listen, I have something I need to show you. Please don't freak out. Do you promise you won't freak out? Which is like a weird thing to have to force someone to do. And she's like, okay. And he goes, all right, I'm going to show you my hands, but don't freak out. And so he pulls out his hands and it's like got a gun bolted to it. And she just starts spraying him with pepper spray and telling him to get out of her car. And she like freaks out and then goes to the cops and then tells the cops that he's not a bad guy. He just needs some help. And I'm like, that's why he came to you. <laughs> he came to you for help and you pepper sprayed him. Uh, How can you reload a gun if you've got a gun stuck to your hand? He can't. 
He has 50 bullets in each gun. Oh, sounds stupid. And it, the, the movie does a little Scott Pilgrim-ish stuff with like on-screen graphics to like represent how many how much ammo he has left. Yeah. And that stuff's kind of cool. Like mm. most of the time that's done pretty well, but for but for the most part it doesn't matter. I didn't enjoy Scott Pilgrim much in the Every day I get further from it, I like it even less. Uh, I loved Scott Pilgrim. I think that movie's a masterpiece. The Ides of March, or as it autocorrected, The Ides of Marks. Oh, the other Ides. Yeah. What do you think I'll give this movie? Two. Plot for this movie, it depends on which half of the movie we're talking about. Are we talking about the interesting first half or the Lifetime original movie second half? So uh, I'm going to give it a two and a half. The acting is fantastic. Uh, Everyone is very good. And I wish they could just get this whole cast back together for a different project. I'm going to give the acting a four. Pacing movie falls apart. I'm going to give it a one and a half for pacing. The aesthetic, it looks great. It it looks like a real movie. It sounds great. It looks terrific. So I'm going to give it a three for aesthetic. And then enjoyment, I'm going to give it a two. Just a just disappointing. And that comes out to a uh, 2.6. Now, yeah. finally, away. And... I don't even know what the title for this movie means. Like, is it because he's trying to get away from the Vin Diesel shadow monster? Or is it because he's away from home? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. I think you're going to give this a one and a half. I think that might end up being a little low, but I can see why you'd go there. Plot. Mm, two. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, this is interesting. The acting. Because it's animated and there's no dialogue and the main character is this terrible looking animation so there's not like a lot of animated acting there's no voice acting he breathes (laughs) there is a bird i like the bird so i guess i'll rate it on the bird and vin diesel and i'm gonna give it a two and a half the bird has some character development cool pacing the movie's slow as shit i'm gonna give it a one and a half for pacing aesthetic it's gorgeous garbage the scenery is great but then your main characters look like crap so i'm gonna give it a two and a half it'd be a lot higher if your main character looked better and then enjoyment i'm gonna give it a two which brings its total score to be a 2.1 if you would like to see our lists take a look at thisweekinfilm.com you'll find a link to our letterboxed page they keep everything nice and tidy for us you can also find out anything you want to know about our show at thisweekinfilm.com including the ever popular segment midwest matt recommends matt what do you recommend this week well i'm actually going to do something i've done before and that's actually make another recommendation for something i've already recommended and today i feel like i have to do that because i've been listening to rosemary's ladies still and we both you you haven't listened to it yet i don't believe but we both Mm -mm. did stuff that they do on the show and one thing one of the reasons that i enjoy this show is because i do this always in my head where over the last couple years karina likes the bare naked ladies so I've been hearing them more than ever over the last couple of years. And so whenever anyone says the phrase, it's been, which happens mm-hmm. a lot, you wouldn't realize how often it happens until your brain starts doing this thing. Or mm-hmm. when people say, it's been, and you go, it's been. And I've been doing that in my head for a while now. And they do that on the show. Anytime they say that phrase, one of them will be like, it's been. And for those of you who don't know who the Bare Naked Ladies are, just look up their one hit really well they had a couple other ones but the biggest one starts like that and then the other thing they do is whenever they they say a line that sounds like it's from that song from eminem that you did earlier what's it called 
We're uh, the the eight mile song. Spaghetti. No. No. Oh. I mean, it's the right song, <laughs> but it's not what it's These called. These weak arms are heavy. Yeah. 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 Uh, lose yourself. Lose yourself. So you did this earlier, where you said a line from it, and then you you started continuing, like you couldn't stop your mind from just rapping out some of the song. They do that too. So since we both did stuff that they do on their show, check out their show. That's it. The it's been thing I think started on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast, or at least that's where I first heard it. I've never um, heard that. Uh, it's a good show. It's a, a lot of improv comedy stuff but it's it's pretty great that's where i first heard it they would like somebody started saying it's been and then scott ackerman would go it's been and then everyone would get distracted like what the hell was that <laughs> each of their episodes follows through a uh just kind of goes all the way through a movie from from top to bottom that's awesome yeah it's pretty cool yeah i have finally reached the latest episode of we hate movies oh and there is nothing well i guess there's something like they had stuff come out today but like i reached the end of the list and i was like oh my god what do i do i don't know what because that's all i've listened to for like the last year and a half have you listened to i hate it but i love it no not yet check that one out yeah i've got a whole bunch of your movie podcasts that i need to look into so and i'll be able to section (laughs) yep you can reference your own website boy is that all we do is that the end of the show? <laughs> um, oh, send, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you saw. It's a reading and a, a couple, review on something. We had a couple of comments on the YouTubes. Ali Sleek listened to your discussion of Rambo, Last Blood, and he says that there is an extended cut of Rambo Last Blood on Amazon Prime, which was not the U.S. theatrical or physical release. So I guess that's the one I want to see. And then he says in Rambo First Blood, only one cop dies. Really? Yeah. He says only one cop dies when he falls off a helicopter. Rambo didn't actually kill anyone. Huh. And then in part two, he gets a presidential pardon for going on the Vietnam mission. And I replied to him. I was like, that's interesting. I need to go back and watch First Blood, which is what I wanted to watch last night, but got overruled. And then I said, I was positive that he kills Caruso in the jail. Like, I feel like I remember somebody getting their neck cut open or something, but it's been so long that I I don't remember if I'm just making it up. And he, that's when he says he kills one cop on accident because he throws a rock at a helicopter. Caruso and everyone else lives. Huh. Wow. So, so they, thanks. So they went from a movie where barely anyone dies to the movies where just everyone's dying. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Ali Sleek, uh, on YouTube. You too can get in touch with us. Tell us what you saw or tell us what you thought of us. And I guess if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Judge movies, not people. But what if we talk like this, Gretel? Only if it gets us more listens. See, that's funny. I've never seen garbage eat garbage before.